Hi folks, it's KJ here, and this weekend and the past week, we had some exciting stuff going on in the news. First, we had a Chinese balloon that seemed to be spying on the U.S. until an F-22 Raptor shot it down right off the coast of North and South Carolina, out where I hang out, by the way. And then over the weekend, we had reports from the New York Times of two additional UAPs. That's all they're saying, folks. UAPs were shot down, one by the U.S. Air Force, again an F-22 Raptor, this time over Canada, with Canada's permission, of course. So, folks, you're hearing my voice because this is going to be a replay episode. While all this excitement was going on, I was down in South America doing my other job. But I'm back in town now, and you can rest assured when WJ and I get back together live with y'all, we are going to be talking about these UAP sightings and UAP shootdowns and just what's going on out there compared to what the government's telling us. So enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Hey, Kev, let's, let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Think it, oh, my God. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome once again to our show. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All of my books are available, volumes one through eight, at Amazon in ebook and paperback. And in audio format, volumes one through seven. Yes, that's right, seven is out at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And by the way, seems there's a lot of interest in my saying buy a few books and read them to the little children around the campfire. <laughs> Getting some excellent feedback, and I hope you're the next. So go out, buy some books, show some support for our show. And now, my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm good. How about you, Bill? Marvelous, marvelous. You know, people say, where's the terror? Wait till one of these things goes reaching for your neck. There's the terror. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, spring is here in North Carolina. We still got some chilly mornings. This morning it was in the 30s, but by the afternoon it's like 70 degrees. But unfortunately, the pollen is out as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, get get ready. You know, it's just beginning. I'm sneezing, coughing, wheezing. Yeah. It's, 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 you know what, though? It, it's a trade-off. It's well worth it. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, you can't. F- and the green cloud I see 
is pine pollen not the COVID? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, uh, Paula's nephew just got the COVID. Oh, no. And uh, he's actually okay. Uh, he had some symptoms, took the test, turned up positive. But, you know, to have the symptoms and really be on your feet and about living is good, you know? That's a good sign. I mean, one of one of the guys I work with just came down with it today, and uh, I don't know how he's doing tonight. He's out west, and he's not. He was not doing well today. Uh-huh. Young guy and had a hundred and three point five fever. Just not good. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll climb out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's the way it goes. People get your vaccination. If you don't like me talking about it, too bad. Oh, I'm with you. Bro. Like, <laughs> just. Get it taken care of. Let's get the herd immunity, herd immunity, and we'll be done with this thing. Yeah, you know, Kev, a while ago, I don't think I forwarded, you, forwarded this email to you. Some guy wrote in and was like, you know, I tune into this podcast to get away from COVID. Oh, good. And I'm like, man, we got a public forum. forum. I have a responsibility as a, somebody who works in the midst of this to try to get people thinking right about getting uh, the shot when it's available. And uh, I'm taking advantage of that, you know? It's all right. It's probably one of the same people I wrote in about the earth being flat. <laughs> Did you have to start that? I'm just saying, flat earthers <laughs> out there. You know, come on, okay? I got the concerns with the vaccine. It's used for emergency use only. That's the FDA approval. Right. We can have that debate. I get it. Right. But I'll tell you what, man, like I told you, when I got the opportunity to get the shot, I was like a junkie in, a jun- <laughs> in the Walgreens slapping my arm, <laughs> telling them to hook me up. Kev, you were like a junkie in Harlem. Uh, well, I was a junkie somewhere. Whoa, brother. Just, what you got? You hook me up, me, man? Give me whatever you got. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of this COVID, but because I'm tired of it doesn't mean I'm going to just, like, declare it gone and stop wearing my mask. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, start that, getting that's not the right thing. Ay, ay, ay. All right. But all right, let's move on from the COVID. <laughs> What do you got tonight, my brother? And Man, we're going back to the skies, Bill. I know this is a few episodes in a row, but there's some cool stuff going on in the skies. All right. And you know me, although I go for a hike most mornings in the woods, like today, um, I'm also looking at the sky all the time. That's right. And uh, this article came out in July of 2019. Mm. So, you know, a little while ago, but not that long ago. Yep. Uh, or I shouldn't say the article came out. The the occurrence happened in July 2019, and the article came out in uh, lots of different periodicals. But the one I'm going to read from is the Daily Mail in the UK. Okay. DailyMail.com, and this one was published about a week ago on March 24th, 2021. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw about saw this one. One of our one of our listeners wrote in about it though where the swarms of tic-tac-shaped UFOs chased Navy destroyers off the California coast. And it turns out they were drones, but swarms of drones 
uh, chasing naval destroyers off the coast of California and like 100 miles off the coast of California. Now, what do you mean drones? Like small, uh, non-piloted uh, crafts. Okay, but uh, they weren't ours. Uh, nobody knows. Well, that, that, that's what that. I'm saying, though. Like, they weren't identified as being... Uh, Navy or Air Force drones, they're calling No, but remember, they definitely weren't launched from these battlecraft, right? These naval ships didn't launch them because they were worried about them and reported them in the ship's log and stuff like that. But you never know if they were launched by the Navy or some other branch of the military. I mean, that's a possibility. Okay, yeah. Right, and there could, we know there could be some misinformation in there, which happens. We don't know about it, but you know. No, and also, like, if we were to try something out, wouldn't we try it out on our own folks? As long as nobody got hurt, yeah, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying <laughs> that at the beginning of this, let's let's all reach our own conclusion toward the end of the story because there's a couple of different ideas here. Okay, and you know the the most. Well, the obvious one, but maybe not the most likely one, is uh, you remember we had this Tic Tac incident going back in 2004. This is the same area where the uh, you know squadron of F-18 Hornet pilots saw these Tic Tac-shaped UFOs. It was then released by the Navy, the gun footage from the F-18s. This is in that same area, by the way. Wow. And this is, uh, refresh me now on the dates. If this happened in 2019, when was the actual occurrence of the Tic Tac footage that we saw a while back? Yeah, 2004. Okay, so it's a long time beforehand. Right, but you remember when those, well, long time is relative terms on this podcast, right? Right. (laughs) 1800s, a long time ago. But 2004 was a while ago, right? 15 years Mm -hmm. um, from when when this happened, when this reportedly happened. But you remember in 2004, right, they they saw these crafts going down toward the water. And they had the turbulence under the water, almost like something launched them. That's that's what I thought about when I read this story. Yeah. See, the turbulence thing is what got me, because yeah. that's kind of a moot point. If you're talking about turbulence as they neared the surface, that would indicate movement, right? Yeah. Or something occurring. Or jet, jet, jet blast or thrust right. or something. Right. But in those, in those reportings, it sounded like more than that, honestly. Yeah. Me. And then there would be the turbulence created by something blasting out of the water, which would be, you know, a, a jettison of water and foam and, you know, splashing. Uh, or, or something surfacing from under the water. I mean, that's what I was always curious about, especially because a lot of this is still classified. Right. Did something surface and release it like a a sub releasing a missile? Yeah, and it's in the Pacific. And by the way, tomorrow, you know, it'll be uh, in the rearview mirror when this uh, podcast drops. But tomorrow, you know, the Godzilla versus Kong is released in the theaters as well. So we know Godzilla kind of comes along under the Pacific Ocean. Could have been Godzilla, Bill. I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm not knowledgeable as to whether or not Godzilla in any of its forms has the ability to launch drones. But what if it's what if the fins on its back could eject drones? 
hey, we got to watch the movie tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll be watching it. <laughs> Not in the movie theater. <laughs> I heard it was good. I heard a little interview. I'm sure it's good. I saw the last one. You know, I, I, I'm I not necessarily one for these crazy movies, uh, you know, these sci-fi ones like that, but they're they're generally pretty good movies. Uh-huh. You know, it's funny. Uh, my daughter and I, Bill, you know, she's a big fan of the stuff. And, like, I remember years back going to see the Meg, the one about the uh, Megalodon shark. Yeah. And we went to the theater, you know, tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, this is going to be, you know, goofy, but, you know, we'll eat some popcorn and watch it. And it was actually pretty darn good. <laughs> and I think Godzilla versus Kong is going to be good, too. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, speaking about you and your daughter before we continue, Max Verstappen, if you're listening out there. Oh, man. <laughs> I just had to get that out, Kevin. He couldn't. He couldn't pull the trigger last weekend in the F one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Uh, they're closing the gap. So, oh no, it was a great race. Yeah, it was a great race. But I digress. Let's get back to the. Yeah, uh, let's go. So, all right. So let's talk about this article here. So mysterious drones. So the headline right of the article is swarms of flashing tic tac shaped. UFOs chased four U.S. Navy destroyers off the California coast at 45 miles an hour and hovered above them at night for weeks, ship logs reveal. Wow. You know, this is not the first time uh, that I've heard of uh, UFOs loitering over our fleet, uh, nor is it the first time I've heard of submersibles by our fleet off the California coast. Yeah. And nor is it the first time I've heard of, uh, or should I say I have heard of larger UFOs loitering over vessels in our fleet in the same area. Yeah. So the article goes like this, and this gets more and more interesting, I got to tell you. So U.S. Navy warships that are stationed off the coast of Los Angeles, so Southern California, they ran into swarms of mysterious drones. And these drones pursued them at relatively high speed, right? 45 miles an hour, that's pretty fast for a ship. Right. Prompting a high-level investigation and some head-scratching among top military brass. Hmm. And apparently, Bill, it was like... In some of these uh, encounters were during very low visibility as well. Boy, that's going to freak you out. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Now, they do report them as unmanned aerial vehicles. So that tells you they were pretty close to them, and they were able to see them pretty well to know what they were looking at. Well, of course, we're presuming there's nothing inside, even though we're thinking there's nothing inside. No, but I'm saying the Navy folks report them as drones. Okay. So, you know, they got some pretty good technology on board to see if there's any anybody of scale that they would expect. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you were one inch tall, that's a different story. Imagine these things ducking in and out of some low cloud cover and you're on the deck of a boat like, whoa, there it is, there it is. Well, in, in one of the uh, sightings, they talk about seeing it at eye level from the bridge. Wow. Of the destroyer. Yeah. So they're pretty close by. And, you know, so based on the deck log data, 
you know, the logbook from these four U.S. destroyers, um, they worked out that these drones flew at speeds up to 45 miles an hour and traveled at least 100 nautical miles. So that's much further than any of the capabilities that we know of of any uh, commercial drones. Yeah, and of course the commercial drones we know of either have a propeller or... Well, these could have propellers, you know. Right. Yeah. Are they saying they saw propellers? No, no, but they're just saying they're drones. They're right. not saying they didn't see propellers. Right, right. But I mean, like, you know, I got I got my Digi uh, Mavic Pro drone, and the thing will... It'll fly in, I think, 32 knots of breeze, and it'll fly for like 34 minutes without a charge, but it's not going to not gonna go uh, 100 nautical miles. Right, you know? and, and they didn't exactly drop out of the sky at 100 nautical miles. Well, it's interesting. So they're out there, and uh, they're saying they're on patrol, and they're suddenly swarmed by flashing tic-tac-shaped drones. Hmm which stayed with them long distances and at relatively high speeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a firm called The Drive, which investigates military weapon weaponry and tactics, uh, was able to look at the ship's logbooks and internal emails that were released under the uh, by the Navy under the Freedom of Information Act, and they were able to reconstruct some of these events that I'm talking about. So apparently it began on July 4, 14th, 2019, and deck logs from the destroyer USS Kidd show that just before 10 p.m. that night, two drones were spotted. Mm-hmm. And then they... Uh, put out um, from that ship, and you can see it in the logbooks. They're online, and I'll post them at uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. This, uh, they call it Photographic Interpretation and Exploitation Team, and this is not an acronym, folks, but they call it SNOOPY, uh-huh. was engaged to figure out who or what the mystery flying objects were. You know, what do you think... Uh uh, what do you think is behind uh, the release of these? This is unprecedented. You know, I've been uh, looking into the UFO phenomena for a long time, and uh, nobody was forthcoming with anything. Uh, the only thing being said was, no, 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 and by the way, no. And now we get... Uh, Little dribs and drabs of uh, apparent releasing of what would have been classified or at at the very least classified, if not top secret, uh, information. But we're hearing about it. What do you think's behind that? Well, I mean, that's Freedom of Information Act, right? Is that this stuff, we're paying for it as taxpayers. Um, at some point, you have to let us know what you're looking at and what you're seeing and why we're spending so much money. Yeah, but Kev, what they call FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, some of these statements, it's like, dear sir, the entire thing is redacted. Sincerely, oh, yeah. sincerely, WJ. Well, yeah, well, they have to protect anything that could still be going on. You know what I mean? Like if something secret's going on and you and I were working on it, and we were vulnerable if uh, the Freedom of Information Act let the facts out. You know, we wouldn't want them to do that, right? And they won't. 
Yeah. You know, at least not on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a big part of it is just protecting people and protecting our tactics. Yeah. You know, if we're doing something smart to our advantage, I mean, we know the Russians aren't telling us what they're doing. Right. You know, we don't want to be so forthright that we're stupid. Yeah, well. But, you know, that's that's my opinion. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah, we do we do let the stuff out, you mm-hmm. know, uh, over time. But again, even the Tic Tac incident of 2004, they say we only let out a fraction of the information. And that's where people are like, wait a minute. We, we let out this radar gun footage of these F-18s tracing these Tic Tacs and the conversation between the pilots. Like, and there was something else that we couldn't let out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, what it's was like, the, what was the total? Well, it was so frightening that we wouldn't let people know. Yeah, and what was the total time of what we saw? Like, it we, was minutes. It was minutes. Right, it was minutes, and I'm sure this went on for a lot longer than minutes. Yeah, but I'm still saying, like, it's pretty good that they let that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, the point is, though, a willingness. Uh, there seems to be a willingness at this point in time, for what reason we don't know yet, uh, right. to let some of this stuff escape. They didn't even have to show us that. Right. I I, sure. I, I am 150 percent convinced. Kev, this is not the first time they had oh, that. Oh, no, footage. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're letting more and more out every day. Yeah. I mean, they probably have footage of cigar shaped craft, giant flying triangles. You know, oh, yeah. things that look like houses flying through the air. Uh, I'll tell you something. I, I'm going to, while we're on this subject, I was sitting on the third deck at a hospital parking lot one day in bright sunshine uh, with some puffy cumulus clouds floating around, okay? Gorgeous day, pristine blue sky, bright sunshine. And some of these puffy clouds floating around intermittently by no means forming any type of what you would call cloud cover. I'm sitting out there on the roof, and I look up and I see something glinting in the sunlight. Metallic silver glinting. Mm. Immediately, my eyes are drawn to this thing. as uh, That's just the way we are, Kev, right? If it was a 747, whatever, I just, I looked at it immediately. Well, guess what? This thing was rectangular. It looked like a block. And I'm looking at this thing glimmering in the sunshine, uh, probably pretty good altitude. I'd have to say 30,000 feet. And I'm glad you pointed that out. I was going to ask you. It wasn't a sociology building across the yeah, road. Yeah, floating. <laughs> Which is quite rectangular. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd, I'd estimate, just from my own eye, seeing the jumbos going over at altitude, I'd say about 30,000. Uh, and I realized it didn't look to me like it was moving, but rather the clouds were moving mm-hmm. by it. Of course, the clouds are moving, right? Yeah. So... One of these small, puffy, cumulus clouds goes wafting by this rectangle. And I'm dying to get another look at this thing now that it's got my attention when the cloud gets by. And guess what? When the cloud drifted by, 
it wasn't there. Mm. I didn't see it go up. I didn't see it go down, back, forward. Was it behind the cloud and stayed with it? I have no explanation. You didn't have a little green man sitting on your seat next to you afterwards. Oh, not that I could see. Okay. Uh, But so that's... That's high strangeness. Yeah. I mean, people, I was the only one there, no other witnesses that were speaking to me. Uh, I know what I saw. Uh, What's the explanation for that? I don't know. Yeah. So throughout the night, on these several nights where this is documented in the ship's logbook, Mm -hmm. like one of them, uh, logbooks on board the USS Russell, show drones were swarming all over it, dipping in elevation from 1,000 to 700 feet and seemingly able to move in any direction. Wow. So I think that's how they come up with this tic-tac-shaped drone explanation. Uh Uh-huh. Now, the L.A. Bureau of the FBI was also brought in to look at the the incident, and this investigation found that a handful of civilian ships were in the area at that time that could have been used as landing pads for the drones, right? They're off L.A., one of the most populous cities, and some of the investigators suspected that the drones may have been launched from uh, a ship called the Algida, a catamaran in the area. And while the Algida did have some drones on board, it was soon established that its aircraft were not capable of any of these aeronautical feats. You know, so probably a couple of passengers on there like me with a drone, you know. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, and not likely that that would be it. And then naval intelligence was brought in on this uh, ongoing investigation and started to look inwards. And this is what I was getting at at the beginning of the podcast, Bill, because this area is is home to, uh, to a very large U.S. naval base on San Clemente Island, yeah. where a lot of sensitive training operations are often undertaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then right afterward, or soon afterwards, the Navy classified this investigation, hmm preventing further information from being released. Wow. So, you know, that's kind of like, you know, all right, who knows? Maybe it was our own stuff. Maybe it was our known, uh, you know, enemies out there doing something with drones, Mm -hmm. you know, off of a submarine maybe in that part of the Pacific, and maybe it was somebody from another place entirely. Yeah, you know what these drones remind me of, Kev? Do you remember Etch-A-Sketch? Oh, yeah. Okay, Uh, and so remember you had that screen that was covered in carbon on the inside of the glass, and then you had a knob on the left and the right, but there was a point that you began with, which was the uh, stylus under the glass. But but you could move those knobs if you really didn't know what you were doing, uh, left, right, up, down, and that stylus would just do whatever you wanted it to do all over the yeah. place. That's oh, what yeah. these drones remind me of. Oh, the they, movement of them, yeah. yeah they I didn't do know where you were going with the Etch-A-Sketch. No, it's just that they do these <laughs> ridiculous things, up, down, yeah. back, forth, oh, yeah. in, out, left, right. They're highly maneuverable. I mean, my little uh, you know, Mavic Pro is like that thing, and it's got the onboard, whatever it is, LiDAR or whatever, that that prevents it from hitting things too i mean for something that's relatively low cost and certainly you know not commercially available but 
personally available as a craft. Yep, yep. They, they do some amazing stuff. And by the way, you know, I posted that drone footage on our website of my friend and I walking down the beach there in the Carolina coast. That thing was flying by itself just using uh, artificial intelligence to do facial recognition on us so that it would follow us while we were walking. Amazing. Yeah, super cool. You know, and a lot of our listeners may not know, but I myself could be considered a drone <laughs> because uh, I'm highly maneuverable. <laughs> I mean, you know. And robotic. And robotic. So there you have it, you know, WJ. Right, Bill. So that's what we covered this week. We looked to the skies again this week and cryptids in the news and other oddities. Awesome. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty awesome thing. We're going to keep looking at the Freedom of Information Act to see what else we can learn about these drones off of Los Angeles. Fantastic stuff, Kev. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll stay with it, folks, because this is a topic of interest for, at the very least, the two of us and I'm sure <laughs> a lot of you listeners. Now, this uh, this account uh, that I'm about to talk about, I don't think we ever spoke about this before, Kev, but even if we did, this is one of the craziest uh, circumstances that one could imagine themselves walking into. And uh, it was told to me by a guy named uh, Johnny Roth, who is a resident of the state of Pennsylvania. And this is what Johnny had to say. As I begin to tell you and your readers what it is that I saw, my thoughts are that I should preface it by briefly telling you of a singular event which happened during my childhood. I grew up in a neighborhood that consisted of 100 homes. There were obviously many families living within the community, and consequently, many fathers who earned a living in a variety of ways. One of the men who lived six houses down from me was named Mr. Marone. He was by trade a taxidermist, which as a young man seemed rather cool and unique to me. I had a habit at the time of going into the woods with my BB gun and shooting birds and squirrels. It's something that I wouldn't even consider doing now, but at the time I didn't care. One day I had shot a blue jay. The thought had entered my mind that I would like to have it stuffed. And so I brought it down to Mr. Marone's house. When I got there and had showed it to him, he told me that it was against the law to shoot a blue jay and that he could be arrested if caught performing taxidermy on one of them. That day he had taught me a valuable lesson, which will come into play shortly. As with everything else, I am sure that there are many people who, for the right price, would perform taxidermy acts on anything for anyone, with money, of course, being at the root of all things evil and the like. Now, I will fast forward 20 years later to 1996, when I was employed by a major shipping and delivery firm. When I put that uniform on, and as the people on the various routes got to know my face, 
I had carte blanche access to anywhere and everywhere within the confines of most businesses. I could walk behind counters, into private offices, all in the course of making a delivery and never be stopped or questioned in the least. It was on this particular day that I had entered into a taxidermy shop, which was a somewhat regular stop on this particular route. When I entered the front door, Dave, who was the owner, was not behind the counter and evidently had not heard me come in. I took the package, walked behind the counter, and went straight away into his workshop through a swinging door. Upon entering the shop, he had the radio playing very loud with the bathroom door shut. So I knew that Dave was taking care of some business, shall we say. As I stood there waiting, I noticed a plastic drop cloth draped over a work table with blood and guts and goo all over it. This was nothing new for me because it was typical of what you would see when entering his workroom. What was not typical was this. Smack dab in the middle of the table was the blood-soaked head of a Sasquatch with all of the goo and blood and veins hanging out of the bottom of it. I knew immediately (coughs) what I was looking at. The mouth of the beast had receded back, exposing an enormous set of yellowed teeth. There was nothing fake about it. Dave's business had nothing to do with things that were fake. The creature's hair was all matted down and soaked with blood from being handled. There was this goo and juice and guts all around the head. Having seen enough, and while Dave was still in the crapper, so to speak, I stepped back out of the shop and moved in front of the counter to wait. As though I had never been in the back and seen anything. A few minutes later, I heard the bathroom door open. In an attempt to peer, appear as though I had just arrived, I shouted, Hello! Dave came out from the back room and greeted me in the usual way. I told him I had a COD for him. As he started to write me a check, I asked him how his day was going, to which he said, I'm in the middle of gutting a boar for some run. Now I knew he was lying to me, which firmed up that what I had seen was in fact a Bigfoot. There was no boar which he was in the middle of prepping, but there was the head of a Sasquatch which someone from somewhere had dropped off and asked him to mount. From that day forward, I had changed my entire opinion about him and about the existence of Sasquatch. Knowing what I knew and what I had learned from Mr. Marone as a youth. 
if shooting a blue jay or an eagle was against the law, Dave had to have been breaking the law by having this Sasquatch in his possession. I have no idea if there was an entire body anywhere in the shop, but I do know that there was most definitely a head, and it was sitting smack dab in the middle of Dave's table. What about that, Kev? Hey, where's the body, Bill? Yeah, where's the body? <laughs> that is freaking unbelievable. Yeah. I can't imagine. First of all, if you go into I've walked in taxidermy shops. Uh, you, you're not going to walk in on anything being made. Uh, let, let's put it this way. If it's ready to be mounted, everything's clean and pristine. The glass eyes are put in. Uh, whatever else they do is done. The place is spotless because you're not going to have anything left around to louse up all the work and cleaning and everything else they do when they do it. And I don't know exactly what they do. Yeah, makes sense. But your workbench is not going to be a mess. No. So what he walked in on had to be fresh and new, thought out or whatever. I, I don't even know what's going on here. But there's obviously a mess around the bench, and the mess is also around the head and the fur, and because it's it's a, it's it's the beginning of the work. Yeah, I I can't imagine, Bill, but I've never even been in a taxidermy shop. But you know, going in there and seeing the head of anything is like what the heck. And like this dude says, he had free access because the guy knew him, he knew him, and you just. You walk in, hey, Kev, I got some packages for you, you know? Hey, what do you got there, Bigfoot hat? Oh, that's pretty gross. Where's the rest of them? Obviously, he was not expecting him to come in. Yeah. And the way he pulled it off, he had no knowledge that he had been in the back and seen it. Yeah, you'd think he'd throw a cloth over it or something, jeez. But again, I don't know. I don't know taxidermy. Listen, man, if you're working on the bench and duty calls, you know, Sometimes you don't have time to think about doing anything. You got to get to the can, man. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Gotta go! Stay here, Bigfoot. Stay. Yeah, obviously the Bigfoot wasn't going anywhere, you know? (laughs) So there you have it, man. That is an incredible uh, encounter. Interesting, too, though. He made a good point how it just firmed up once again to him what somebody is willing to do for a buck. Now, I don't know if it would be against the law or not to have this head and taxidermist. Who knows what the rules and regs are for a Bigfoot? For cryptids. Yeah. Are there laws under books against cryptids? Like if you you get caught harboring a dog man? Well, we talked about the fact that in some states there's a bounty out for them. So, Yeah, there is a bounty out for the Bigfoot. And it's also in Washington, I think, against the law to shoot a Bigfoot. Could be. I'm so surprised. Yeah. 
But uh, over by me, I'll take a crack at one. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, here it comes, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people out there that love the hairy man, but let me tell you something. If one of these bad boys comes over at you with its arm extended, snarling, I don't think you're going to feel that way. Well, that's the whole thing, Bill. It's, uh, are you threatened by it? Is everything okay? Or is it uh, life or death? Your life or death? Yeah, and when do you make that decision? Split second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't much time, man. And then by, that, by the time that passes, it's probably too late. Hopefully after your gun is loaded. <laughs> yeah, well, it better be loaded when you go in, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there's an old saying, his knees weren't shaking, they were missing. You'll be, so, you'll be shaking so hard at that point, you'll be lucky if you could get around in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. <laughs> no yeah, way. Everybody likes to think they're freaking Superman. They're going to save the world, you know. But well, look, they talk. People talk about why is the camera shaking? Yeah, hello. You know, when you see something like this, like, can you imagine trying to put bullets in a magazine while you're looking at that? No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, I know. No. I know. Everybody's Superman. You're going to stand there flexing your biceps while you steady your shot. I'm not Superman. <laughs> not me. Hey, big boy, stay still while I take a snapshot of you. Come on, smile. Come on, stay still for a minute. I'll still be here in a couple of seconds. Just stay still. Obviously, you could outrun me on this ridgeline. Let me get a good photo. And if you don't mind, let me forward it. Yeah, remember the description uh, that the the, uh, logger gave in that last one we were talking about? I think he said 12 feet oh, well, tall. Was, yeah, crazy. Can you imagine? Crazy scale in that account. I stood by a basketball hoop, uh, which I don't do very often uh, anymore. I looked up at that 10-foot hoop, and I said to myself, at 10 foot and four or, four, four or five feet wide at the shoulders, Coming down to the ground with whatever mass it has, however many hundreds of pounds, six, seven foot long arms hanging by its side. Are you freaking kidding me? Now, when you stood there, that basketball hoop didn't growl at you, did it? No, but just when you look up. It's crazy scale. Crazy scale. Yeah, like I'm five foot ten and a half, or I used to be anyway. I don't know. I might be eight feet tall now. But uh, I stood there looking up at that thing and just considered something looking to do me harm. Yeah, but picture, Bill, I'm going to interrupt you because you were talking about earlier. Picture if there was a 12-foot creature, which would have to be five feet wide at at its shoulders, and it's coming up on you. I mean, I know you don't have many options if you feel threatened, but say you're carrying a 9 millimeter Glock or something. I mean, is that going to hurt something that's 12 feet tall and 5 feet wide? That's what I'm saying. It's going to hit it like a bean. 
I'm thinking it's like an airsoft gun. Yeah, I mean, come, <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the point I'm trying to make, Kev. Yeah. What's the defense? No. And we've had we've had people say in accounts, I wasn't sure if pulling the trigger would have made a difference. Well, that's it. I mean, not like when I I've used this story before, but multiple stories where. When I lived out in eastern Washington state, they would find people that were attacked by the grizzly, you know, which is that size, right? The yeah. big grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, they'd, they'd have, a, you know, a Glock 9 millimeter next to them with an empty magazine. That's incredible. Uh-oh, Bill. The choppers I hear are them. coming over. Folks, can you hear them? Whoa. The sound of freedom. The Apache Squadron. Coming over the treetops. That's probably that's probably ten of them tonight. That's loud. That's the loudest I've ever heard them while you were recording. That's got to be ten of them. Usually, there's like six of them. That's got to be ten of them. You know, the timing is incredible. I know. How many times you're doing a, a recording of the podcast with me that those Apaches come over your house? Yeah, well, it's within an hour of one another, and we don't record on the same night, so they're pretty active here. So if you're a bad guy here in uh, the Piedmont of North Carolina, <laughs> you better be thinking twice, because uh, <laughs> these boys and girls in the Apache are looking for somebody to cause trouble. Yeah, yeah they're just dying to check out their armaments. Let's see how these Hellfires lock on, shall we? <laughs> Awesome. Kev, Kev, do you remember a RoboCop? Oh, yeah. The put, movie. Put down the gun, citizen. <laughs> you have 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. You know, that guy was like all business. Oh, yeah. No heart, no nothing. Just going by program. I love that stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Bill. Well, we got some good listener mail, by the way. Speaking of good stuff. Before you do the mail, give me your clothes. <laughs> yeah, now you're doing the first Terminator. <laughs> Laundry day, nothing to wear. <laughs> uh, I can't stop. <laughs> All right, the first letter comes in from Stephen from the UK. I think it's Stephen. Could be Stefan. So sorry, brother. Hi, guys. I've loved the show for a while now and have a couple of points. Firstly, Bill's UK accent is that bad that it's brilliant. I love the way you paint a vivid picture from these encounters <laughs> apart from the English accent. <laughs> Also, is there any way of buying the books in the UK and shipping on Amazon? Uh, As shipping on Amazon costs as much as the book. My main reason for contacting you both is last year, my mom passed away from bowel cancer. And before she became really ill, I had introduced her to your podcast And I have some lasting memories of listening to the podcast with my mom. 
So thank you both so much for helping me come to terms with losing my mom and helping me keep hold of memories. And if either of you come to Manchester, UK, I would like to thank you in person and buy you a coffee or a pint for really being a huge part of such an upsetting and lonely time. Thanks, guys. Take care. Stephen or Stefan in Manchester, UK. Wow, that's a wonderful, wonderful letter, Stephen. And Bill and I have been through that with our mum, and we know how tough that is. It's, uh, it's great hearing from you, and great that we could help a little bit in that, you know, terrible journey that you and she were on with, uh, with the big C, as they say. You know, Kev, I contacted Stephen. Uh, I told him that was singly the greatest thing yeah. uh, that has ever come into my inbox. And think about it, bro. Uh, it's, is it possible that you and I, two rascals from New York... Are having an impact on some people's lives doing our podcast? It's Who would have thought, Bill? It's just freaking remarkable. <laughs> it's like when we when we started this thing, a lot of people podcasting would say, you know, I they say when they started, and this is the absolute truth, folks. Would would even our family be listening? <laughs> 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 I'm laughing so hard I'm coughing. Oh my god. And it's the truth. Yeah. And then I look at you know, we talk about how many people from all over the world are listening to us every week, you know, and downloading the podcast and how the listeners or listenership is going up exponentially month after month here in our third season and then we get these touching letters and this is just an example of one and Stephen like I am getting ready I get my second shot now in a couple of weeks and you know uh, our listeners I am the world traveler you know some people think I'm James Bond uh, now James Bond in the COVID era I'm not James Bond, but I do travel a lot, and I go to the UK a lot. Let's just say that. Yeah, you know what, Stephen? I may look you up in Manchester, UK. Yeah, better to be James Bond than Jane Fonda. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, Stephen, you nasty little bloke, how dare you insult my British accent, (laughs) telling me it's bogus and all this rot. Fly me if I'm not an Englishman myself. And Bill, I have to ask you, is <laughs> Ringo the best drummer you've ever played with? Why, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, I say. <laughs> <laughs> One of the classics. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, from the BBC recordings of the Beatles. Now from Michelle from New York. Hi, guys. It's your From the beginning listener, Michelle from New York. Great UFO accounts and great logger story. Love your show as always. Speaking of UFOs and aliens, I cannot remember if I ever shared my son's strange account. If I did, please forgive my memory. And I would say, Michelle, that's fine. Just please forgive our memory. 
<laughs> Here it is. My son, who was 31 years old during the summer of 2016, was hiking his favorite area called Labrador Hollow Unique Area, a state forest near Tully, New York. This area is beautifully wooded and has very few hikers with many changes of elevation. He was hiking on a beautiful, warm, sunny summer day and heard some birds taking flight from a nearby tree. Immediately, something crossed a trail in front of him. He described it as star-shaped, the point of the star being at the top. The two bottom points were elongated, thin, and were its legs. It walked without bending the legs and moved without making any sound. It was thigh high, about three feet tall, but the weirdest feature was its skin or covering. It looked exactly like brown tree bark. The entire thing was covered in this tree bark skin. It did not have any facial features and just crossed the trail quite closely in front of him and was gone. What a perfect feature camouflage for whatever it was to stay hidden or blend in at this heavily wooded forest area. There are so many mysteries and unknown things in this world, as we know, especially in the woods and forests. When asked what he thought it was, he felt it was alien, not of this world. Really scared him. Take care, guys. Michelle. That's wild. What do they call those creatures, Bill? That they see. Uh, we did. We did one in uh, in um, California, where they saw, and Washington State too. They saw it off of I five. Oh, I can't think of the name. It looks like the Predator, you know, from the other Arnold movie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they they have that ability to. Uh kind of dematerialize and become yeah and kind of blend in like they're kind of invisible but you can see their invisibility you know because of uh the movement yeah as they're taking i know what you're reaching for but i just can't pull it out of my brain right i can't reach it 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 went away with the apaches when they flew over yeah yeah but cool stuff and michelle i don't remember you telling us that the star-shaped creature coming across the path what a freaky can you Super imagine thigh high, star shaped, long? I'd be like, I'd be like, you talk about confronting things like this. I'd be like, just keep moving. Nothing to see here. Just keep moving. <laughs> yeah, and and who's to say what the capabilities of such a enigma are? You know, they're not good. Oh, I don't think it's going to give you a hug. Wow, man, that is freaking one of the most bizarro things I've heard in quite a long time, and I've heard them, man. Yeah. All right, now we're going to Indiana to, I think it's Letitia. She says, hi, guys. I live in Indiana and just wanted to say that you are simply the best. The show is great, and so are the books. I've read four so far and plan on reading the other volumes, too. I find myself laughing out loud while listening to the podcast. Keep up all your informative and entertaining endeavors. And thank you. And for what it's worth, I find myself listening, laughing out loud <laughs> when I listen to the podcast prior to posting them. <laughs> you know, folks, I say this to my brother all the time, and I am by no means 
self-aggrandizing myself or him or trying to puff myself up. I'm just listening and call it my nature or whatever you want. I'll have an earbud in at work looking at the computer and just go like, ah, <laughs> and the people are looking at me like, what the? <laughs> but I'm listening to it and it makes me laugh. Oh, I, I do too. And I know it, uh, you know, I know the episode basically by heart after sitting here and going through it. And I still laugh out loud. <laughs> so it's great to hear, Leticia, that you're laughing out loud too, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, it really, uh, you know, Kev, evidently we're, we're influencing a lot of people in a good way, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no I doubt mean, about let's, it. Let's take a little credit where credit is due. We're doing a decent job. We're trying to bring our, our A game every time we come to the microphone, and uh, we are who we are, and that's it. Yeah, and we're not quite saving lives unless you follow our advice of uh, – you know, carry more gun than you think you're going to need. We might save your life, but we are helping you get through life, Yeah, which is all we can hope for, especially uh, in the crazy times we've been in for the last year. Yeah, no, it's good. All right, so we're going out to John, and I'm not sure John says where he's from, but he references episode 87, which I didn't recall what 87 is, but he's going to tell us. Okay. He says, love the show. It's the best one out there, and you guys are awesome. In regards to the late 1800s Bigfoot photo, that is actually a cougar. You could tell by the body structure that it's a four-legged feline, and the size of it is actually very small. Anyway, I listened to all of your books on Audible, I want to thank you for everything that you do. You guys are the best. Take care. And as WJ would say, Tara in the woods. And as Kev would say, no doubt about it. (laughs) 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 But, John, you know, that could be a feline, you know. And, and, you know, you mentioned that's very small. And it's often in some of these photos, you know, we, we don't see anything that we can really bring it to scale, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. It's a cool observation. Could be some kind of cougar. Who knows? Yeah, and you know, something just jumped on me, Kev, that I forgot to address it. Uh, it wasn't a cougar, was it? No, no. If a cougar okay. jumped on me, it would be dead in moments. <laughs> I'd execute some jujitsu on it, and that would be the end of it. <laughs> then I'd skin it in minutes and have made a coat out of it in five or ten minutes. But leave the head on the table. Leave the head on the table. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to address the fellow from the UK, Stephen, right? Yeah. Who said he, 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 he can't get books in the UK or they're too much. Yeah, like he has to pay shipping on them or something. Well, well, Stephen, I just want to let you and all the listeners know, uh, I don't have anything to do with these books uh, other than writing them. And using Amazon as my publisher and printer and distributor. So what goes on with them globally, uh, I have no idea. But it's the best way for me to operate at the moment. Oh, yeah. But it sounds odd that the shipping would be higher. I'm going to check, Stephen, with some of my uh, pals over there in the countryside. Uh, 
One of them is on his way to move to Wales uh, soon and uh, check on that. But certainly you could you could uh, have the Kindle version, you know, no shipping and uh, or the Audible version as well. Yeah, and that's the way around it, right, Kev? Go audio. I I understand you want paper. I like a book. Yeah. But that being said, maybe sometime down the road that'll change. It's got to be an issue related to warehousing and logistics with Amazon at this point. But the way that company is going, I mean, at some point they'll probably have a printing warehouse over in the U.K., Oh, well, they'd they probably have a printing warehouse in your garage with a drone dropping it at your yeah. back stoop. Yeah, so I I don't have a solution for that right now, but just hang in there, bro. Yeah. Uh, and like my brother said, Audible, ebook. I know you want the cover, you want the autograph, which you're not getting. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm still waiting on that, Stephen. Don't feel uh, bad. You know, uh, it, it's difficult. Uh it's difficult, and the shipping between the countries, it's insanity, uh, the rates you get hit with when you go to the counter in the post office. It's like 50 bucks, $50 to send that freaking T-shirt to somebody in uh, Belfast, Ireland, you know. Hmm. It, it's just insane. And yet from China, Kevin, I can buy something on eBay for seven ninety nine. And it arrives with a bunch of Chinese stamps on it using air, ship, and then the mailman here in the U.S., and they're charging free shipping on like a $7 item. Oh, yeah, but you're paying for it. I get it, but then I go to the post office and I try to mail a fishing reel uh, to you in California, and first-class mail is freaking $10. Mm. It's ridiculous. Don't We're losing me. money, though, Bill. All right, we're going yep, to a yep. last letter. We're going yep, to wrap yep, it up. Yep. Okay. And our last letter is a short one, but it's a good one. From Dawn. And Dawn doesn't say where she's from. But she says, you guys are the best. You are the click and clack of Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, folks, we've heard that a lot, and we love it, because both my brother and I are huge fans of the old... Uh, Public public radio show, uh, Click and Clack, uh, where they did the uh, car repair advice. Two brothers uh, up in Massachusetts, and here you got the two New Yorker goons doing uh, cryptid and Bigfoot uh, news. I used to love those. We'll give you advice, too, right, Bill? I used to love those guys because they'd insult the people openly on the air. Yeah. You never do that, do you, Bill? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, folks, thank you for all of the letters, the emails, and thank you for listening. And please give us a five-star review right now on your favorite podcast player. And uh, if your podcast player doesn't allow you to give a review, go over to iTunes. It's okay. And give us a five-star review. And those reviews are so important to us because it's virtually the only means we have to draw new listeners into the podcast. And by getting new listeners every week, which we do, thank goodness, uh, we're able to continue to improve the quality of the podcast and keep it on that weekly schedule with uh, dropping a new episode early Sunday morning every week. Yeah, and uh, 
by the way, folks, do go out and buy a book, two, three, ten, audio book, paperback, and uh, show a little support for the old man. What old man? Why, you, Captain. And if you should be out and about in the woods this weekend, remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. And happy Easter, folks. (laughs) Happy Easter. Happy Easter. (laughs) Bye-bye.